Right, this is going to be another episode of Snake and Banter, the first one of 2024. Our guest for this one is going to be Daps, who is the in-game leader. You heard that correctly. He is the in-game leader of NRG, not the coach of Team Liquid. So that whole last year, just a lie, wasn't it? It was just all fraud, fake, or secretly the whole time he was just waiting to insert himself in the Team Liquid lineup, obviously like some God Emperor and equal. No, give us some thoughts on that, Daps. Like normally we don't usually do like an interview segment, but in your case, like I say, you've had a pretty extreme shift of circumstances. Like you're back playing again and you're actually a player and you're, you're in NRG, you're old dog from way back. So give us some thoughts on what's what's happened since we last saw you in a Liquid shirt, mate. Uh, there's a lot to unpack from that. It's not <laughs> something that just sort of like happened um, overnight. Um, I just kind of over time coaching the liquid roster, I kept like standing in for scrims occasionally. And this happened when I coached EG as well. Okay. And I'll start with like EG. Like I, I filled in, or you know, like Stanislaw took like a two month break. Oh, yes, month yes. Break, and I filled in for like two months. And after that, players were like, you should just play, man. It's so much easier to play with you. Not like... <laughs> uh, it, I bet, not listen, like, I can't lie. I bet that is a little bit of an ego boost. And they're like, when you no, call, well, it's just so course. easy. You just seem to know what you're doing. You know, like, you, know, you should just stay. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, it like feels good. It's like, okay, well, like, okay. I'm the coach. but And then, like, <laughs> okay. I, I filled in for, like, different players on, on Liquid, like, occasionally. Like, sure. not even IGLing. Oh, right. And just in, if anyone couldn't make a scream, you play instead. Yeah, right. okay. yeah, just play. Like, I filled in for NAF ones. I filled in for Patsy ones. Uh, filled in for Nitro. Okay. Like, before the Paris Major, Nitro wasn't there for oh, a yes. week. So I scrimmed right. for a full week right. before the Paris Major. And, I'm, like, the players aren't saying, like, oh, you should just, like, replace this player. Sure. But they're like, you know, it's, not, it's like, not bad. Like, we, we like... It's oh, so it's more like validation you. that you, you can still do yeah, it as an IGL. Right? Yeah, you still pretty got much. Right. Yeah, so like that, I, I won't lie, that like slowly kind of got to my head a little bit. Okay. And then, mm -hmm. like, I won't say like I lost some motivation for coaching, but it definitely kind of made me start thinking about playing again over time. Okay. The yearning, the yearning came back. Because, spoiler, like, obviously, I did the intro, but the first topic is obviously picked by the guest. And don't worry, Maui. Daps is like you if you were a player. It's all just topics about him and his team and everything good. And, you know, like, okay. So go on then, Daps. Hey, what good topic have you got to bring with us from it today? Okay, well, hey, to be fair, I've been on vacation for like the last two weeks, so I'm That's not like up enough. to date okay. with current news. It's so, yeah, I, I don't want to speak on things I don't know too much in depth on. So, um, so my, my good point is uh, just energy coming back to CS. Okay. And and uh, me having a shot again to play is exciting for myself, at least. We'll see if it's good or not. Potentially not. How about this? <laughs> to, to give us some flavor for this one, just give us some of your perspective. Like, how, why is NRG back in CS? Like, I know the guy, Andy Miller from NRG, and as far as I know, his whole thing was like, he says he like likes CS and he wanted to be in it. It just has to be the right opportunity is the thing. He's not just going to come in willy-nilly. So, I mean, if people don't know he's in like all the other big games pretty much. So like, why is NRG back in CS? Why are you a player again? Is beyond just the liquid standard anything? Like this specific group of guys, presumably, are people you wanted to make a team with, you thought it could actually be a quality squad, right? Yeah, I'd say to answer the energy part, Andy is a pretty calculated person, and I think he just saw, sort of saw like the correct opportunity with like CS2 coming out. And um, I, is it I, implied I know, like, you're his guy? Like he, he thinks that you're the one he wants to be in business with in CS because you, you used to be in the team back in the day. 
Was that part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't like speak for him, but I assume just like my history with him and like having uh, helping him build that original energy sure. team up over the years, and my working relationship with him's always been pretty good. So um, he just has trust in me, and I appreciate the trust he put in me. Okay. Um, in terms of them coming back, I mean, just good good time to come back in. There's a lot of players who are free agents, or a lot of players are a lot cheaper than they used to be, and um, I'm not saying they're going full budget, but energy is definitely coming in like in a more smart way and they want to be here for a long time. So they're not coming in and spending like million dollars on a player here and 700 K on a player there. Okay. Thoughts Maui on NRG returning to CS. Uh, if I'm, if I'm being blunt, I mean, I, I kind of made a point before that I was just kind of like, I, I'm not really sure if you guys are going to make it to the major. I think that's kind of like the main concern I have with the team. In terms of the pieces and in terms of an injection into North America, I'm glad that NRG as an org is coming back because it does feel like with the whole EG debacle that we've been witness to for the past couple years, NRG has been in good standing in terms of community perception. I've just fr frankly never really heard anything about anything behind the scenes going awry with this organization. So for that reason, I'm happy about it. But in terms of what I see when I look at you guys on paper, I'm not necessarily too convinced that like this isn't you're definitely not a shoe in to make it to the major. I'll put it like that. Uh, I think that it's pretty clear you guys have the caliber and quality to make it to the RMR. But this kind of feels like there could be like a heartbreak at the last hurdle for you guys. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or anything. I just kind of want to see it prove because when I look at your guys' results lately, like the teams that you should beat, you've beaten all of them. And in terms of the ones that it, you guys just started, but in terms of playing M80, in terms of playing Nouns, those are the teams that I feel like you really needed to contest with. And I hoped, I hope you guys would hit the ground running and just kind of like actually surprise people and beat them right away. Because in terms of experience, in terms of your leadership, it should be better than those rosters. But, you know, it, it takes a while. And I know it takes a while for, for teams like yourself to, to actually become competitive, even at this level. So beyond that, I think it's, a decent investment for NRG. Like, I feel like when I look at your pieces, I would expect that this major is going to be very difficult for you guys to qualify for. But the next one could be possible. Who knows? There could be a move, but I'm sure you're not thinking that far in the future. Uh, I mean, to speak on that point, yeah, I mean, you you kind of said it. It's just it takes time. And even even if like we should beat nouns or it should be more competitive or you know M80, it should be more competitive as well. It can take like to get like a solid base and go through everything and talk about everything and then get reps after you talk about everything on all, all six maps we're gonna play, it can take like two, three months at least. And like when we played those teams, like even M80 and uh, Nouns, for example, we practiced for about like six, seven days to cover mm -hmm. six maps. So it's just like not even possible to be like very fluid at that point. And even coming into the major, like, yeah, we know we're not a shoe in and we're pretty realistic with our goals um you know there's always a chance we can make a major there's always a history of like top teams choking making the major occasionally or you know teams not expecting to even make top eight making top eight so yeah we're, we have we have hopes and we know we can make the major but we're also being realistic and we just need to like do things correct so that we're good eventually 
The good thing about this, Daps, is that you did make your topic because you phrased it as NRG coming back to CS. You kept it open-ended enough. I almost can't disagree because if I just make it <laughs> NRG the org, Daps, Maui says it's actually one of the best orgs in esports. Like not only has it had a very high competitive level across all the games, but quite frankly, it's almost never involved in any scandals. Like as far as I can tell, it's just good businessmen who run the org and do pretty good decisions. Like I wish there was more orgs. I actually am very glad that an org like that is back in Counter-Strike. If you think of some of the other ones, like, look, no offense to Complexity, but like they have the funding now. Complexity isn't thought of as a big org. Remember, last time NRG was in CS, they were like almost making the final of the major when they had the Stanislaw lineup, obviously, at Berlin. Like, Complexity's never been to that scale. So the, the difference is maybe a call with a lesion, these pieces one day can get there. NRG has been one of the best orgs in Counter-Strike at one point in time. This org looks like the budget starts, but even then I'll transition it. Even if I talk specifically about this lineup, I think even this lineup's good, Maui, because if you look on paper... Let's be real. I don't care that he's here. I can talk about people even when they're in the room. The main reason this lineup's interesting is because Daps himself has come back to play. And we have seen he has built many, many teams over the years. And quite frankly, here's the thing I want people to understand. They all start like this on paper. They never start like the end product where they're all amazing players and they're getting into... They all start like this where people are like, nah, is that even that good a lineup? And what you find is this. Here are the two players that Daps will work on if he's actually going to do his past magic. One is Aussie. Straight out the gate, I'll tell you. Because I'll tell you right now, like, Cirque wasn't the fucking player he was in the NRG and EG squad when I first saw him join. He was like a streaky European opera who some people bragged about and some people thought, like, is he just a run-of-the-mill online opera? Like, he developed into a fabulous opera. He was actually one of the best in the world when he was under Daps. I'd, so I'd say for me, for OC, I think this is just what the doctor ordered. OC just spent the last year and a half, like, not getting to be a real primary opera. Like, some of those setups looked like even the team didn't fucking believe he was the opera. And then I'll also add in, the other one, the obvious one is Fang, because this is another player where most people would be like, oh, who gives a fuck? You know, he had his time on call. Who okay. Well, let's see. If it, put it this way, if he doesn't work out one adapts, then yeah, we'll write him off. But I'll give him one last chance. Maybe maybe he gets used in a different way. Maybe this can be the Fogley slash Ethan of this team, as it were, where people aren't quite certain, but you find a way to use them. So that's the key thing for me is, I don't know that this one lineup's ever going to do anything. But the key thing is, once you make the lineup, you're only like, what, one piece away? Like... Daps has a pretty good history also of recruiting European talents that nobody knows. So he might be able to find some cheap rifler that's actually some stud and suddenly they've got some firepower. Go on, what were you going to say? Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> I wouldn't compare him to Fugly. I mean, Fugly was... <laughs> I mean, like, I love the guy. We're not talking one for one. I mean, I mean, roll for roll. When Fugly was in your NRG, dude, he was way above the level people expected. Everyone wrote him off early and said he was crap. He was, he was actually working in your team. Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing when I picked up Kustan. Gen yeah, oh, good I, example I mean, as well. Yeah, people wrote him off, and so he was like way back to best level ever, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Fang's 21. Complexity was like his main team. I mean, he's got so many years ahead of him. So, okay. uh, I mean, I'm hopeful for like everyone on the team, and... I'm excited. Oh, and then the, obviously the two people I didn't mention, one is Hex. Like, he's just whatever. You can give him a chance. He's young enough that I don't mind that one. The last one I didn't mention is obviously Breezy, right? The obvious jokes, right, themselves. This just makes it look like Breezy's just fucking, you know, it's 4 a.m. All the clubs are closed. There's no after party. So he pulls out the phone, doesn't he? Ah, oh, my ex taps you up. Dot, dot, dot. Like, what are you doing, bro? What have you... Yeah, I'm up. Where the fuck have you been for the last three years? What, just fucking collecting enormous Scrooge McDuck sacks of money and chucking them in a fucking vault and then not pressing mouse one? Like, mate... I've, I've made this joke in the past, but like this, these motherfuckers just ride you to the top, then go, see you, Daps. We're, oh, we're all going to Disneyland. Oh, oh, you can't come. Sorry. Sorry, Moses. You can't come to the promised land. We're off now. See you. And then later on, they're all like, 
Daps, please help my career. Save me. Save me, Daps. Like, the joke is, this motherfucker wouldn't be anywhere right now. Like, he would be in, he'd be trying to get into M80 if it wasn't for Daps picking him up. But you know what? Even this, this is how biased I am to the Daps worldview. Even that, I actually think will end up being a good move. Here's why. Because Daps actually is going to bring this motherfucker back from the dead, Frankenstein style. And I bet he's actually half decent. I don't know if he'll actually be really good again. You have to prove that. Like, when it's been this many years where you've been sort of whack, I can't, like, just assume you're going to transform. But it's not impossible, put it that way. I'll at least give, like, the lifeline that it's possible. So I I actually think that one's not even bad, by the way, because the analogy for Daps goes like this. That is a player where it's a big name from the past that most people aren't going to gamble on. But if you're the one who gambles and it works out, you've sort of like found money at that point. I mean, you just got out of nowhere, you know. So I don't even mind that as the gamble. Like you can't, it can't be all young players. You're going to have to try someone to bring them back to their old form. Do you have any thoughts on the breeze angle, by the way, Daps? Is your boy from back in the day, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was in the EG system or ecosystem, whatever you want to call it, and. It's, it's a disaster. And, yeah, indeed. and that might yeah, be an understatement at this point, but yes. It's, it's a disaster in like <laughs> so many ways that like I can't even explain. Okay. And like there are some good people at work there, but like overall it's just like players go to die there. Like the joke and... is after being in, in EG, Daps was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to try that Valorant game. Like, that's, no, almost, it... that's almost true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Breezy, he's... <laughs> I mean, I pugged with him the last, like, two months, and I watched, like, some some of his games even before, like, uh, we decided on, like, what the roster would be. I mean, he still has the skill. Like, the skill is That's still That's what Maui said. Maui actually has the point that he watched, He actually thinks Breeze will get it back together, right? I, I think it's just... Because we played him in a pug, and I was the only guy with an aura. He has the aura. He has the aura. He still has the skill, but yeah. I think he just kind of fell behind on meta a little bit okay. being an EG. And um, I think once he gets like up to date and like playing in a new system and like sort of a fresh environment, that uh, there's like a high chance that he'll come back to form. And maybe he won't hit his peak form again, sure. but I don't, I don't need him to hit that form. No, again. no. I, I just need like 70 or 80% of that. What I'd say, by the way, just to wrap up my point, is just like this. If you notice, I went stage by stage and from the org to the tip. Essentially, like, if I had to look at this lineup today, yeah, it's borderline it'll even make the major. Like, if it gets to the RMR, it's got a chance, but you depend who you play and it, obviously individual form. But like, like I say, to me, I don't look at this five-man lineup and go, where's this going to be in a year? It's more like, right, once this lineup gets going, I just wait for them to pick the one piece of heat. For the sake of Daps being here, I won't say who I'd replace, but there's at least one player I'd replace. So I think if you get one good rifle, you're actually not that far from being good. Good. Especially because I'm going to assume that Daps actually is a good in-game leader and he does a good job, therefore elevates the level of the players, you know. So this is why I think people, it's hard to judge lineups like these because to me, it's a bit like some of the snappy and ends lineups. Who the fuck would ever said any of those lineups would ever be good? Nobody. Nobody ever took one of those lineups and ever said they'd be like top three in the world because the snappy factor can't be accounted for. Very good in-game leaders, they have their own styles, you know. So we'll see. I will say though, Daps, if this team shit, it's all, all your fault, mate. You picked them. Hey, I mean, I'm three years younger than Snappy, so okay. I got three years. Okay, there you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. Right, go then, Maui. All right. Hit me I, up. Well, I would just say one more thing. I would, no, go on. I would just say one more thing. I think, like, the it's, it's, it is cool like, when you spoke about just Daps as an in-game leader and just kind of that. We've talked about this before, the Severage lineage in terms of North American IGLs and how it just feels like at one point it was just cut off. And when Daps went to being a coach, 
we did as a region lose an in-game leader who was very valuable. So I, I think that it's a, uh, this is like the most glazing I'm going to do. I mean, I think it's just really important for the space and scene and in, in general, like, I guess this, this side of the, the West hemisphere that, uh, we, we have you back as an in-game leader because even if like one of your players don't work out, for example, they're going to now have played under your tutelage, which should be able to help invigorate or at least structure whatever team that they move on to next, which is something that I feel like kind of goes underrated because you look at some of the other North American teams right now and the, the other two teams in NA that I would consider at the top are obviously complexity i mean i guess you would consider liquid so maybe three you've got liquid with which are using cadian we've got complexity that are using jt and m80 that are using um manx as an in-game leader and it's just kind of like none of these guys are actually north american and so there's something to it where it's nice to just see someone from the actual region uh putting forward okay. a roster that should be that should be top tier at least in this um in this sector and obviously, look, the low-hanging jokes, I'll just throw it out there. And obviously, now Daps has actually finally completed his Dread Eye training because he learned under Yakinda, who, if anyone's ever met, knows everything about Counter-Strike. So finally, you're ready to actually be... Now you can probably win the major to be... Maybe that's why Breeze is willing to play with you now. You've got, you've, you finally <laughs> figured out how to call the great calls of Counter-Strike, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. okay, I'll... I'll move on. I'll move on to my Come game. on, here we go. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. About, it's about another in game leader. Um, obviously, Kassad's not on the show, but I, I actually really like the fact that Hampus is getting another lease on life with Bleed. I really, I've always rated Hampus really highly as an in game leader. I mean, not always. I, I didn't always rate him as an in game leader, but once he started working with DJL, I thought the way that he started calling looked a lot better in the server. And I feel like for a guy that's as talented as Hampus, I do think that. This is a, a great opportunity to show that it was kind of a weird move for NIP in my eyes. Like the way that Threat said that when he came back to NIP that he saw a problem with leadership and that's when he decided to replace Hampus with Alex. When really, I when I looked at that roster, I was thinking there's a few space-taking riflers on this team and they all want to do the same thing. And I'd rather switch one of those riflers to someone that's a little bit more role appropriate than switch out the in-game leader who I more or less never really had a problem with because, I mean, Alexi B didn't have success with that core. Uh, Hampus didn't have success with that core. And Alex, I mean, we've yet to see. They haven't really played too much yet, but I don't really under I don't really see him making a, a huge wave on that roster either. And so for Hampus, I'm glad that he's at least just landing on his feet because not only is he a solid caller, I'm not going to rate him like an A or a B, even like a B-plus caller, but I think he's like solid B-minus, a B for a Tier 1 CS. I would... Like he's a he's a fantastic individual. Like he he actually has so many more games where he has pop off potential. He in terms of just overall regular production, it feels like he's slotted himself into a system by his own design that is very suited to his skill set, which is just aggressive space taking. And so for me and watching him on bleed, I'm gonna be at least a little bit more excited with this roster than had it been Kassad just signing. I don't know, some tier two in-game leader that I know maybe has some good chops in terms of calling, but hasn't actually proven himself as a fragger because I feel like that so often happens that you look at someone like Bird from Sky and you're like, oh, this guy actually makes some really good calls, but as a fragger, you just know he's frequently dead weight in the server. So I'm just glad to see that Hampus is getting another chance because nothing has ever indicated to me before that Hampus can't frag, but it's about putting it together in terms of a system and probably the the coaching with Kassad as well. What do you think, Daps? Um, was he uh, 
did wasn't ha- didn't Hampus take like a break or something? Didn't he have like the, personal this, issues? Last year for a while he didn't play very then... much. He had like a whole period where he was off. Yeah. So like maybe maybe that's the reason they like moved on from him rather than like it come being down to like IGLing. By the way, it's I also mean, never been made public whatever happened with him. No one knows. Like behind the scenes, as far as I know, he just had to take a break, and it's never ever been made public why. So we can't we can't yeah, even know. Okay. You could speculate all you want on that. Uh, I'll just before you dive into that, Daps, I'll just say for clarity, Threat actually specifically said on some other like NIP product, like a I forgot what the name of the product was, but it was something NIP put out themselves where Threat said, We I'm looking at leadership as the thing that we need the most right, right. now. And that's when he cut okay. that's when he cut Hampus. What did he specify was like out of game leadership or just I uh, uh just that term. Just that term. Okay. I mean, like, I don't know too much about the situation then. I just remember he, like, took a big break and then, like, Rez opt for a while. And, like, it was a disaster. Like, I don't know why he opt. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I always thought Hampus was a pretty good player. Uh, like you said, he always, like, had pretty good stats. I never saw any, like, big flaws in terms of his leading. Um, it seemed like the team was, when they were at their best with him, they seemed like a pretty well put together team. But in terms of, like, the bleed roster it's like with Cirque, right and like longs or mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean this roster is interesting and i mean imagine I that because... imagine picking up some fucking washed xeg player who's on mega money and just say fuck <laughs> it i think they'll make it in 2024 i know crazy in it Dap. some of the fucking risks people take in this game that is crazy <laughs> i can't believe it it's but a yeah, weird I roster mean, though it's interesting it, it's an interesting roster i mean if Hampus can like have Cert come back to again like close to or like part of the level he used to be at. I mean, it's not a it's not a bad roster on paper. Like I don't I always thought Fabin was pretty good. Cipher was just on TSM, right? He yes. just got bought out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what happened there. And then Lonks I I don't really know much about him to be honest. He was on Sprout, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I mean it's an interesting roster. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't have too much to comment on it to be honest. Like it seems just like a bunch of players who ha- were at like fairly good levels at some point, and now they're all coming together, and they need to like all find their form again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like like Daps did there. You, to comment on this, you have to sort of comment generally on the bleed roster as it is. I actually think, and and this is nothing to do, by the way, with the fact that like Kassad does a show with me and Maui and all that jazz. Like, first of all, spoiler: I already knew Kassad for years before that, and I was hella biased even back then, motherfucker. So don't worry about it. But whilst it is like, I actually do think it's a very well put together lineup. Like, obviously, understand this wasn't a lineup that really had like Falcons money. You could just go crazy on every put. I have heard, by the way, they do have money, and if it was like a really, really big name they could have broken the bank to get like you know a, like a top five player of the world but aside from that this actually looks like a well put together roster to me because these clearly aren't expensive buyouts like these are actually like this is like a really good example of sadly this term has been destroyed by idiots who never listened to what it meant but this is actually like the money ball approach like it looks like he's he's bought players where like essentially their game is bigger than their rep and they're not super in demand and therefore you can get them all at reasonable prices like if you go down the roster like think about this 
this. So as you just say, the cipher guy basically had a cup of coffee in TSM and then was just on the into the breach lineup that had one run ever that anyone cared about. So like that's not like a super super cheap player, but I tell you the buyout wasn't insane. Like that's just a quality player. If anyone's ever seen that guy, like he's just a really good like brute force entry player. Like has real potential. Seems to have a very good attitude. If you look at Cirque, it's the same story as with Breezy, isn't it? It's like obviously we all know he's amazing years ago. He seems to have had some big motivation issues and his game dropped to shit in EG. But at the same time, just like Daps's case, if you have to gamble on someone, sometimes you can't make all the gambles in experienced players that might make it. You've got to try one that was a really good player who can maybe get back there. Like that, I think this is this is like a good example of a veteran gambler, especially because, by the way, he's gone for Orpa. Like right now, the Orpas are all the ones that cost like fucking 500k buyout and stuff. So I don't hate that one. And then Farvin, actually, Farvin was one of the better players in big. Like I actually think he kind of got a bit slept on because that like big going down in the world ranking since why you don't hear Maui bringing him up as a point anymore isn't really big's fault it's more that the rest of the teams got good they just benefited from the weakest period ever was when they got those sneaky like runs through blast and stuff like there's nothing wrong with big big has a good group of players they were always punching above their weight anyway if you knew what they pay and what types of players they get and then the louts guy I'm not a big fan of him spoilers fans I know he's like the last person or something you added to this lineup like he's just an alright player that's been around tier 1.5 and tier 2 and he always as I noticed behind the scenes is the name that gets added sort of like a placeholder when you don't get the big name you wanted or you're going to get another guy in three months so I suspect like I said about the NRG one this won't be the final version of this roster in one year from now I'm sure one or two players will change I don't think that's a bad opening gambit though like you look at the pieces there all those pieces fit the roles there's a mixture of people who are already good they just don't have a big name people who are going to be good potentially and people who were good and maybe they can get back there I actually like the mix and then sort of finally I actually do think Hampus is the piece that maybe brings it all together I personally I'm, I don't know how much I think he's a good IGL I just haven't seen it happen enough like when he did it in NIP the point here is this though before I used to think he was a bad IGL because I saw how good he was as a lurker and I thought well, why waste your game being an IGL as well but there's two things to say one it turns out when I've actually got and looked into it apparently all those interviews when he was in NIP are actually sort of misleading because if you look what they really did is this every time they were gonna get an IGL or they replaced him they would sort of have him make a comment that was almost along the lines of like, you know, like, oh, maybe I didn't want to do the role or maybe like, IGL isn't for me. But as far as I know, Maui, behind the scenes, people tell me the whole time he's wanted to be an IGL. Like this guy actually does want to be an in-game leader yes. in Counter-Strike, I've been told. So that's yeah. all, that story has actually been overblown and pushed the opposite way to sort of every time be like, right, well, he's a really good individual player. So obviously he doesn't really want to do it. They just make him do it. As far as I know, he does want to do this role. So by the way, if he can even IGL at a good level and make what he does individually work, this could be a solid team. Like there's some good pieces here. And by the way, I do think an individual player, look, he did he barely did play last year. Like I looked it up. Last year he played 25 maps on land. So that's fuck all essentially. Like he was barely playing tier one CS. If you think of the player he was in 2021 and 2022 before the lineup changed drastically and he had to go out the, this was a really good individual player once upon a time. Like he actually had some like he was he's a player where put it this way. If he'd have stayed in the same fort, he could have been a top 20 player. He could have been like 19th in the world or something. He was getting to that sort of level. So I actually think he's sort of a sleeper good player. Like I'm, I'm just interested to see how they make the IGL angle work. And then the last thing I'd say would just be there better not actually be an IGL change after this. Like if I've just decided, right, okay, so we've gone back and forth. Does he want to be an IGL? 
It better not now be that in four months they're like, yeah, actually, he's moving off IGL. We're bringing in this other. Now, I'm, that's one thing I am sick of is people just like spending years of their career trying these stupid experiments. Like, just shit or get off the pot, mate. Like, if you're going to do it, do it and then become a great IGL. By the way, Sweden fucking needs them. It'd be a great role for you. But if you're not, then just let it go. Like, make this the last one and just be a player. Because at the moment, he's tanking both parts of his career. Oh, the last thing to say was this. The reason why I'll give him a slight asterisk and I won't judge him too harshly for the IGL in a nip, Maui, is because if you actually look, dude, the entire time he was in nip, they never had a stable roster. The entire time. Like, people yeah, know yeah, Device yeah. took him as that. But it wasn't just that. Remember, they were always, they were the they were the original Na'Vi with the fucking ZTR into the yeah. fucking other guy. Boozy, and then they, they, boozy, oh, yeah. they were always fucking changing the roster every, like, three months it felt like. So, I also find it hard to judge, like, an in-game leader if you never got, like, a real five-man lineup for even six months or something. Like, you've got to have a chance to actually make your fucking approach work. So, I'll, I'll just say this is his last chance as I job, but I'll say it's, I don't hate the lineup. Like, if you look where the augers, I think it's actually a pretty shrewdly put together lineup. I, yeah, I know we're not going to, I mean, maybe we could talk about it on Hot Take Point made with Kassad, but I, I will say, like, I'm a bit more skeptical of this lineup than I think you are, um, so that's why I'm probably saying it here when Kassad's not here. I, I think that, like, one thing that goes a little bit well give me some give me some here. specifics like, give me a range yeah, yeah. where this team going to be. Like, I'll, this lineup right now, I'll tell you, this lineup could be, like, 15th in the world. Oh, wow. That's a lot higher than I would have put. I would have put him uh, probably like 20, 25th to 30th. Okay. Um, I think it's a bit tough uh, for this lineup. I I will say like Cypher's, like, Cypher's potential got really overblown for me at the Paris Major because including the RMR and the Major itself, Cypher played 18 maps. He only had above a 1.0 KD eight times of those 18 maps. And five of those times were on Vertigo. Like, he's kind of a one-trick. He's kind of a one-trick player. He was pretty much just dominant on one map, which is why we kind of remember how he gave Vitality a, t a run for their money on that map in, in the playoffs. Uh, he was very good at, like, taking down teams in important matches. Like, when he took down Fnatic on it, that made him that got him to the playoffs. Like, he was able to beat Ents on, on Vertigo as well. But then when he had to play teams on other maps, like Anubis and Overpass versus Liquid, he just kind of bought it out. He wasn't very good. So I, I feel like... He's still young. He hasn't played as much tier one, so he was probably limit testing. He found his limit on Vertigo, which is that he could just actually run away with a game. But I think that he has a lot in terms of what he needs to do in terms of developing. And because, like, like I get pretty high on entry fraggers. Like, I, I liked Yukindar before practically everybody else did because he was doing it on every map. He was doing it on Overpass Inferno. He was doing it on Mirage. And but I but when I saw Cypher, yeah, it was easy to get blinded by the fact that on Vertigo he was a monster. But at, when I watched him on other maps, I was like, oh, this guy's just running into nades. This guy's just this guy's just running into crossfires. And there isn't maybe there wasn't good enough support. Maybe the flashes weren't good enough for him. But I'm a bit tentative on Cypher. I'm a bit tentative on Longs. I think that Favin is a good player. I was pretty high on Favin. That's when I made that crazy big prediction when they got Favin. But then he got COVID twice in the same year, and so he couldn't play for big. And that's why it just kind of felt like it just wasn't meant to be like you know everything could be right between him and big but when you get sick twice and they have to sub you out after a while they're like what's happening like why is this even going on anymore and so that's kind of why i feel like there was a bit of a separation between him and big and probably and so for my money what bleed and what Kassad did here with this roster if we're zooming out to that whole picture because i still think the hampus pickup's good like i my, that my good point is simply that i like hampus i think he's a good foundational element for a roster but in terms of this roster in terms of the whole picture i'm not i'm i'll say this i would almost i would say that NRG has a better chance to make it to the major than Bleed does. 
Well, the problem with that last statement is that sounds sexy until you realise they play in the fucking America's RMR. <laughs> like, we talking about, bro? This Casado uh, has to go against every European NCIS squad. Like, that's essentially like saying they have to be like forty teams. Daps has to be like two teams. That's, so the, that's the point of hot takes. That's the point <laughs> of hot takes. Okay. It makes it sound okay. scalding. Oh, by the way, hot. by the way, when I say fifteenth, I obviously mean if everything goes well. Like, this is a totally front, like whole cloth lineup made from nothing. Like, obviously, it could all go terribly. There could be like one hundred and fifty eighth. Like, I can't really. Know that sense there's no call so I am saying if it all goes well though like for example I'm literally making mad assumptions like if Cirque's good online with the all play I don't know about that yeah I'll have to wait and see I think yeah I think it's like really hard to make a judgment on how like a team from scratch is gonna play just because like if you take an example of Cirque coming back and trying to get back to his old form like I think an example you could use would be like Hobbit when like they won the major all right and then he came, he like disappeared yeah, for yeah. a while, and then he joined Gambit Youngsters, and then grinded his way back, and then got like number six in the world or something, or number seven. Sure, it's like he joined a team that was together for quite a while. Because I even remember scrimming Gambit Youngsters in like 2017, 2018. Yeah, like, it was supposed to be joined, like demons he, online, right? Yeah, like he, I, yeah, they were insane, and he joined like a fairly stable team to like build his way back and build his career back to like a top level player. And Cirque doesn't have that. He's joining like a completely new lineup. There's no system in place. Who knows what the language barriers are. Um, and like, not even just for Cirque, but just for all of them, like all of them are kind of building back in some way or shape or form. So it's a process for like their team and kind of the same with our team. Like it just takes a lot longer if you're not joining like a three man core and coming into the team. So yeah, I think for them, it'll take a lot longer and like, there'll probably be like a roster change or two in like six months. But overall it's like, if, if you, in my opinion, if you can get someone who used to be a top 20 player for free, it's like, and you're mm -hmm. building a brand new lineup, and you pretty much just yeah, it's a it. good gamble to take, like I say. Yeah. You know, you got to do some gambles unless you've got $20 million, like I said. So, also, yeah. by the way, just in case people don't know, because Cassard's been pretty transparent in general, these weren't the first fucking names he went for. Spoiler, he had an enormous board of all the names you think, like the top 20 and everyone, and he went through them all. He couldn't get them all. Like so he, he tried for some big names, by the way, as well. That's why I say I actually think this is a shrewd one, right? My good point is a pretty quick one. I don't think it's going to have an enormous segment, but it's open ended, so we can do it. Basically, it's the news that Blast has expanded the partner spots by four spots. So there's now going to be 16 instead of 12 teams. And the four teams added are Falcons, obviously have the line with Magus and Snappy. Gamer Legion, who has Snacks and all those guys from the major, if you remember. Team Spirit, who obviously has Shiro now. And then Virtus Pro, which is obviously fucking gym time 24-7. So like, I think just first of all, you can do this in many ways. Open-ended, the idea they've added four spots, I think that's just good. I often said, I thought the biggest problem Blast had was... Because there was only like the two spots that went in from the showdown, essentially it meant that any time you have like two top ten teams who aren't in blast, you're fucked because they're not going to get in through the two spots. Like you got, you have to hope they win the showdown anyway. And then if even if they do, there's going to be one or two missing. So I always thought it just made their big events. The most obvious one is the Blast World Final. It never felt like a huge event in the same way the other ones did. Like on paper, it should. It's a lot of money, and you have to qualify into it. It's the last event of the year. That should have had like a slam dunk setup to be an enormous like prestige event. It's 
It's never got there yet. I think this will help it happen. Like, if you look at the teams added as well, like, VP is just a squad where, like, I've said this on past episodes, it's a nightmare that they haven't been at the real tournaments. Like, all these blasts that I'm watching simultaneously, they're at some ESL Challenger event. Like, they win those events, guys. They could probably actually have done something at these blast tournaments. Then the Falcons team, it's just an interesting mix of players. Actually, looks like it can be good immediately. Game of Legion's kind of all right. I'm not a huge fan, but whatever. Like, the, the Orcs clearly willing to, like, double in from the stick of money and stuff and spend some cash for a fucking spot, potentially. And then the last one is uh, Team Spirit, who obviously has, like, in theory, one of the best players now in Shiro, and then one of the best players maybe of, like, two years from now in Dog. So, like, even the actual literal teams added are quite interesting. Like, this just makes me way more excited for Blast now. Yeah, I mean, going to the World Final point, I kind of agree. Like, when we went to the World Final and played G2 in the final, it was an event where you can just get the vibe from, like, all the other teams there that they're already in vacation mindset. Right. And, mm. you know, they're they're obviously not, like, throwing or, like, yeah, yeah. purposely losing games, but, like, there's way less effort. You can tell there's teams that, at that point of the year, they're already thinking of their roster changes for next year. And, yeah, even, like, when we went to that event, like, we practiced for it a bit before, but you can't practice when you're there at the event in the Middle East and you're kind of just like going sure. off what you went over the over the year and like if you just play well that day you make the final pretty much like it was we didn't expect to make the final at that event and we just kind of slipped in there so yeah I, I think overall the format change is good i i assume blast is doing it to prepare for 2025 when with the valve changes and stuff yeah yeah so i assume it's just they're preparing to like kind of be ready to host bigger events where it's more open-ended um and By yeah, the, the way, just as a detail, because I notice fans often get this wrong, Daps. I notice fans do this weird thing where even though if you ever go and read what Valve says, they haven't actually explained what they're going to do about the partner system. No one really knows yet, like publicly, concretely, what they're going to change. But because they sort of implied, like, maybe we'll get rid of partner system, right? Here's what my guess would be. I don't know what your take is from someone who's been inside an org. My assumption, by the way, is that what they want really isn't to get rid of partner system. It's to do what ESL does with theirs, which is, like, if you're a partner yeah you're gonna get invited to like i am cologne but if you're like the the third best team in the world and you're not in the partner system you're gonna get a spot as well you're gonna either get a seeding or you're gonna get an invite like i assume it'll be more like that daps you'll still have a partner system in my opinion it'll just be like you have to sort of make it a bit more open to the circuit and good teams can get in maybe because i don't think they want to get rid of rev sharing i think that angle's been overblown by fans. that's just my guess as an insider you know yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know the way you guys think it as players, but I'm assuming it's going to continue. Yeah. Hence, why people are getting into these leagues, you know. I yeah, I, I think at least from what I knew, there wasn't any like decision made right. at all. Even from like the org side, I think it was just mainly like orgs talking to ESL and trying to figure out what the the plan would be going right in, in, down the future. But yeah, definitely, it's really bad for the scene if the rev share goes away. Because oh, I think so. Yeah, most orgs rely on that especially to pay a lot of these yes. top players. So Yes. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Maui? I mean, I'll, I'll comment on the... Uh, you must in the, general be a fan of the overall move. You're one of the people who wanted the partner system broken open, right? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually... I've actually, because of rev sharing, actually been kind of a fan of partner systems just because I feel like it's one of the few ways to make this ecosystem sustainable. So I'm actually sure. not really... I'm not really a big fan of what Valve did, to be honest. Like, because I also think that the narrative building is going to get really messed up. Because I feel like sometimes with this game, you just get these random teams that just shoot up, like a gamer legion. They get top two, and then they just get p picked apart. And then it's like, okay, well, 
we let that team into the circuit. Yeah, it was cool that they got that opportunity, but really, we're only still talking about one player from Gamer Legion. Like, I, if I want to like think about the teams that they got on board, and I will include Cloud9, I think that's a 10 out of 10 replacement for EG. I think VP was a 10 out of 10 team to get into this also. Falcons also, I mean, they're unproven, but in terms sure. of what these players have put forward in the past, I think that's a 10 out of 10. Spirit, because they're seemingly the next up-and-coming team that has the potential with Donk and Shiro to do so much damage, I think that's amazing too. I think Gamer Legion, again, this is just a remnant of the fact that they had an overperformance at the Blast Paris Major under the tutelage of Shuhei, who's no longer with them. And ever since, I mean, last couple months, this team has been pretty bad. So I feel like, I don't know, I don't even know how they're in the top 20 still, if I'm being completely honest. Like, they're losing to practically everyone they play against in the top 20. The only teams they've beaten, actually, since November is been 3D Max and a Fnatic roster that just signed new people, but they've lost to everybody else. So I'm, I feel like Gamer Legion, like, just like such a weird random team. Like I would have rather, if this were, say like even Apex, I've seen so much more from that roster lately. Uh, even, I mean, Monty obviously would have been better too, but I mean, overall, like, I think it's really good. I think, I do think it's really good. The expansion. I think, I do think that blast was a little bit too much of a closed circuit. That's why it draw the, drew the ire before from people like snappy, who was so public about the fact that he just really disliked how blast was just like blast teams are just going to make it. And like the showdown is kind of a joke qualifier because you're just playing a qualifier to play a qualifier to play a qualifier. And that's why snappy had such little uh like he was never basically on the blast circuit because when could he actually make it other than making it through an online qualifier that was single elimination by the way so very very tough and i felt for him on those kind of comments well now he's a part of the system so uh we'll see how he feels when it's when he's on the inside of these things but yeah with with the whole like on, on the organizational side i would say with blast yeah, the I, I think that was a very uh, an astute point from Daps that it does seem like they're trying to prepare for the fact that they are going to be forced into an open circuit in 2025. So just finding out, do you have the capabilities? Because these productions, I think, probably go it probably goes a little bit swept under the rug or like it's not really something that fans think about this stuff. That when you add four more teams, that is you know, 25 more people that are now being housed in hotel hotels that cost a lot of money. That's a lot of people that are having to be flown in and out. That's a lot of people that you now need more practice rooms for. Like on the financial side, it's a huge burden. So like this, this may sound kind of like, oh cool, like four more teams, but it's like, that, that actually is a lot of resources that are being put in by Blast to try to make sure that their product is more ready for what's going to change drastically in the upcoming year. So props to Blast on doing that. Um, obviously, disclaimer, they employ me, but like... I, I do think that this is a step in the right direction to make things fairer because I think that a lot of people also were kind of pissed off by the fact that Blast was a closed circuit and then they had teams like for a while MIBR and EG who really did nothing beyond just playing in Blast and playing in partner partner leagues. But I feel like that complaint becomes a little bit more muddied or watered down if that bad team now is kind of like, is not one of 12, but if they're one of 16, you're not gonna notice them because you're not having to watch them as much. 
By the way, here's the person you should actually feel sorry for. What do you mean, feel sorry? In light of this news, here's literally the person I want everyone watching this show today to feel sorry for. And it is Snappy from Team Falcons. You're going to think, what do you mean? He's just got a blast spot, right? I've heard it is totally true. Nico was literally going to join Falcons. It was going to happen. And that the reason last second he did change his mind is he realized, oh, fuck. I won't be in any of the partner system, though, will I? Like, I'll be a sort of... The... So the joke is they're in fucking blast anyway. So this same lineup he already has that's really good. He could just have that lineup with fucking Nico instead of Boros. Which, by the way, if he has that lineup, like, isn't that like... He could just walk into the next tournament and just be number one, like, immediately. So, look, he's still got a great lineup anyway. In the end, he got the RMR spot from fucking Enz with the players. So he's got the RMR slot. He's got a blast spot. As long as you're high-ranked, you get into ESL anyway. It actually turns out the joke is... It is... It's actually... Falcons can literally turn around and just moon all you cunts and Counter-Strike. Because you all laughed at them for a whole month and said they were all idiots. And they've got everything you said they wouldn't have. They've got star players. They've got the players you all told me were going to be in Heroic. They've got the fucking RMR spot, of Ents, by the way. And now they've got a fucking Blast Partner spot. Like, what haven't they got? The only thing they don't have is Nico. That's it. Nico and Monacy, that's all they didn't get, right? Like, it's actually turned out pretty fucking awesome for fun. But like I say, the brutal thing is, if you snap, you actually could have had Nico. It could have it could have literally happened, like the dream lineup where you could have just walked into a number one in the world lineup. So it just, just shows how, like, timing is everything in fucking esports, unfortunately. Like, just shows how people, they can only operate on the info they have in that moment. They can't know in, like, two months what's going to happen. Right, that is the good section. Now we are going to go to the bad. So, Daps, what is your bad one, because here's what's funny, right? I hope you phrase it the way you wrote it, because the way you wrote it, like, looks like you made it funny. But go on, tell me what it is. What is your bad point? Uh, bad was just our results on Liquid after losing. Uh, see, it was funnier because he didn't write it that way, Maui. He, if he'd have just said our result, no, he just wrote. Are you listening? Think. Remember, in this context, I'm supposed to pretend like he's just daps from NRG, another team. He's coming on the show with him. His point was written this way, Maui. It said liquid results after Nitro and Elise were gone. But what I love about that phrasing is that just sounds like it's like after I was gone. But yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. People, <laughs> oh, people think that's like, a wait a minute. After Nitro and Elise were gone, like that sounds like like shrewd way to say it. Like, God, what what is the problem in this sense you think they've just been too bad for the squad they were supposed to be better uh yeah so like in terms of the roster because you saw a flame in yourself in this one right you made the roster moves didn't you whoa 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 that was a team decision <laughs> okay. these are team decisions and no but I mean honestly, low key, you're actually being a bit it, humble you're flaming yourself a bit right no of course but also it's not like completely our fault and there's like a lot of context go on it. then hit so me it's then. like so like the original roster that we had decided on, we were trying to get Caserato, and he turned us down back then, and he yep. turned them down again this time. Yeah, people don't know he did actually turn him down for this lineup. Yeah, and then Flames, we were very close to getting. Okay, it was between it was it was Flames going to us or Vitality, pretty much. Okay, so the the original like proposed lineup was like Caserato and in Flames, and then when that didn't work out, we had the option to keep a liege, but um, you know. Not every player wanted to continue playing with Liege, and I think also Liege felt sort of like the same about staying right. to some extent. Like I remember talking to him, and Liege even offered to play like anchor spots and like completely change his roles. Okay. Um, but to be honest, I told him I don't I don't think that's best for him either. I, I just I don't think it fits like his play style at all, and he's never really done it before. So I think 
I, I, I personally said, like, I think it's just better for your career if you just, like, go to a different team. I mean, it seems like he, might. he looks awesome and fucking cold, doesn't he? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think personally, just, like, keeping a liege just based on, like, all the internal stuff, it, just, it was better for his career to not be on the team anymore. And we thought it would be better for us as well, but it didn't obviously turn out that way. And then we just we kept going through options and options and, you know, Patsy, I, I, I'll defend the roster moves that we had at the time. It's like Rainwaker on paper, like me and Yakinder sat down, watched like demos of like 30, 40 players and just like went through each player of like, this is for the replacement for Nitro. Or it's like, we just need an anchor, someone who like plays fairly like high percentage, doesn't like over peak. And this was the name we eventually came to. And and then Patsy was the other replacement for Liege. And again, filling that role was like pretty hard at the time just because like we were making a roster move at a time where like we're either spending seven hundred or million dollars to get somebody, which didn't seem like it was an option. And we just went with Patsy because Patsy, you know, he's a good player. Like we we got owned by him. He was pretty good on spirit. He had a good year. Just he's a gamble on a promising player, right? Yeah, he's 19 years old. He made top eight at two majors at 19. Yeah. It's like, why not? And I think the biggest issue that it came down to, if I was to generalize it, was we just made too many of these changes at once. Right. Where where it's just like... And you changed bringing... IGL at the same time as well. So you did IGL yeah, change. Yeah, plus so that's the third players, thing. Right. Yeah, so it's right. just like, it's not necessarily that like, each right. individual choice was bad. It's just all three at once was just too much. And I think we realized that we just bit off more than we could chew out of the gate. And at the end of the day, it's like we weren't lazy with the scouting and we literally explored every option we could. But just at the time, it's just there was no other options that we could get. And unfortunately, just all three of those changes at once just it was just too much of a burden for us to kind of like find our results again. That's a great way of framing it because we, when we talked about liquid and when you guys were having your difficulties, I would say that, and I think that this is kind of just generally how things are approached in this space is you kind of end up pointing fingers a lot more instead of like, like wrapping around the entire issue, which you've nailed there, which is that you guys made so many different changes simultaneously that it was always going to be difficult. Like even if Yakindar just switched to IGL and you kept Elige, and I guess you would have to find a single one-for-one -one replacement for Nitro there, that already itself would be difficult. But then you guys did another change, which is with our like, I mean, Having a liege leave on top of the fact that Nitro left and switching in game leaders and, you know, integrating Rainwaker and Patsy who came from totally different playing backgrounds. Yeah, it's it was definitely going to be an arduous task. So I feel like the way that the narrative taped itself was so much more like, ah, Yakinder is such a horrible IGL. Uh, Patsy or like Rainwaker just was such a bad pickup or Patsy something i don't know i don't know what patsy to me felt like he got the shortest end of the stick i feel like we never really were excited by patsy on liquid but 
we all we all knew he was good. Like he was so good for Spirit. He was he was seemingly in some games he was their best player in on big in big moments. So I I never I always held out the most hope for him, but it started to be like I started to definitely point the finger a little bit more at like Rain Wake or Yukendor's in-game leading or something like that. But yeah, I mean I don't know what even much more there is to contribute to this because you just kind of shape the new narrative, which is that that was just too many things, too many moving pieces. What I would say is this, is of the moves that you made, the, the main moves, I think the only one that I think is categorically bad was the Kendar to IGL move. And what's funny is, in light of what we're discussing, I can't 100% say like he just can't be a good IGL, but I don't think he did a good job IGL in there. And the biggest crime of all was he took away his own individual game. Like he was still good for an IGL, obviously. He was still like having way better frags than you should, but... He was just so much more powerful a player in, when he wasn't the IGL. So my biggest problem there was, on the one hand, I didn't see what the point of doing as an IGL was, and then two, you took away a player that's too good. Because what's sad is, if I pick up Maui's point there about Patsy, what the fuck did Patsy do wrong in this team? Have I missed something? He was just a really good, promising player in spirit. He came to Team Liquid, and as far as I can tell, his main problem is that I, I Yakindar IGL swapped. So now Yakindar is just a better version of Patsy, so he gets Patsy's spot. Like, Patsy didn't do anything wrong there. That's like the device to not upgrade if they come to you and you're knocking nip and they go uh, sorry we're getting devices the opera you have to just go understandable have a good day i'm off like if the patsy and they say right sorry mate we're going to change igl so you can does going to be the aggressive rifle it's like well yeah i agree see ya i'll be on my way like that's not even he didn't do anything wrong in fact i predict when patsy comes back to you he'll be a good player again he'll one day be again considered one of the better riflers from cis region and he'll be a talent like he was just a good player i watched most of the liquid games he played rain waker if you understand what Daps just said, that he never came in with some notion he was going to be a massive fragger and a star. He was just there to essentially play a safe calculated game within the team concept. I actually didn't even think he was bad, mate. I watched a bunch of his games. He actually looked like the player they're describing. If that's what they were looking for, I could see why they saw it. He did look like he understood how to play certain spots and he wasn't trying to be like some crazy FPL player who's some aimer or what. He was never even trying to do that game. My biggest problem with the team is why actually Daps' point wasn't just the lineup. It was the results since they made those changes. Elise left and Nitro wasn't in the team anymore. I think I agree. The results were terrible. I mean, there's basically like a little bit of false hope at the blast groups and then after that it was irrelevant like the results were just dog shit so the other problem I think as well as this is like I say you essentially took liquid and just made your kindar less powerful and then I'll just throw this in there as well I hope one conclusion people do take from the liquid changes is can we actually please give Nitro some flowers as a fucking in-game leader because people tried to make it sound like this guy just sucked or you know they heard all those pros saying like he's quite predictable notice they didn't say he's easy to beat though they just said predictable, as in they know what he's going to do. That doesn't mean it's not a bad call. It's a bad call, by the way. This guy, every fucking team he's been the IGL in since he took the role on properly, it's just a quality squad. Like, think about... Dude, Liquid didn't have the craziest lineup when he was the IGL, but they were right in the mix. They were in the fucking majors. They were in playoffs. Like, they'd have the odd run at lands. Like, I think this guy actually just got underrated as an IGL. Like, something about you, Kinda. This guy just was, like, a super veteran who was very good at his job. And even if it was the on his last legs, like, I think you have to give him his respect. Like... It's not about whether you can know it's good or bad. I think people are ignoring that Nitro left the lineup. Like, that guy was Team Liquid for years and years. Like, every player you ought to play with him. Like, I think, what would you say to that aspect, Daps? Because it feels like people did just ignore that Nitro left the team. Like, they just pretended like he was fucking surplus to requirements or something. I'd say uh, <clears throat> with Nick or Nitro, he, I'd say his, like, biggest strength that's sort of, it's an intangible is that he is a glue guy. And, like, not to be cliche, like, sure. to kind of, 
go more in depth. It's like he is very good at listening and like accepts all ideas. And he may not be like Acadian or someone who's like, oh, this is my way, like in yelling and stuff and like motivating people in that sense. But he's very easy to be around. And he's someone that everyone feels comfortable talking to. And he creates that sort of environment that a lot of IGLs don't create or a lot of people have a hard time creating and it's natural for him. So it's, it's just, that was something where when you kinder went to IGL, it's not necessarily that like you kinders a bad IGL. Like he understands the game just as good as anybody and his calls weren't bad either. It's just that we lost a glue guy in the team because it was just, you know, I'm coaching and there was definitely like more I could have done coaching. I could have been like a lot harder on you kinder for sure. Um, I'm always honest and like say my opinion, but I could have been a lot harder because we lost that like second person in game. And that was, the, that's a hard thing as a coach is like, I can't do anything when the round's live. I can't be yes. there. And we kind of lost that like second voice in a way. And we, we'd hoped that Patsy would be it. And Patsy, uh, you know, there was definitely like a pretty big language barrier. It was right. pretty hard for him to, right to communicate uh, in English and like say what he wants to say like fluently. And, you know, that's where OC stepped up pretty big and OC kind of filled that role when we weren't really expecting him to like fill that role right away. And it, at the end, it just wasn't enough. Like we, we just needed like another person on the squad to kind of like bring people together in game. And yeah, we, we just didn't have that. Right, let's do it, Maui. What's your bad point? Uh, mine is the ranking that HLTV gave yesterday as of the time of recording this, that Frozen is the 12th best player of 2023. Here's what I love I, about this. I love the way that your reaction to that is like when I saw famously that Nico was 11th in 2016. It's like, it's not yeah. even that you just disagree. It like actually like almost morally outrages you, doesn't it? Like, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I know who they're going to put for the one through 11. And I just so vehemently disagree with many of these people that are on it. So I'll just did say, you, did you ever put... do like a hypothetical list yourself? Like, did you try and figure out where you would have him roughly? I'm going to guess I for you would be like, what, seventh or eighth or something, right? Seventh. I would have had him I seventh. I thought so. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I would have, uh, I would have put him there because the people that they put above him are, they're going to put Stown today. I think as of the time of recording this, they haven't said who's number 11. I think it's going to be Stown. It's going to be. I I think 10 will be Sun Pius, probably. I think maybe they'll... I, I don't know the order of these people, yeah, but yeah. it's going to be probably like Sound, Sun Pius, Simple, Brokey, Shiro. And all of those five people are probably people that I would put below him because Simple didn't even play CS2. So, like, I feel True. like putting him on this list is just <laughs> ridiculous in, in terms of, like, this high up. Like, you can't... How could you be a top 10 player when the final quarter of the year you just skipped out on because you're like... I'm not really feeling the game right now. It's like dipping out on the meta. If the meta shifted so drastically from a MOBA and you were like, I don't want to play the last third of the year because of this meta, I would not consider them in my top 10 of, of a list, you know? So that's another... Stown, okay, for one, Stown's not better than him. And I don't think at any point in the year Stown was a better player than him. There is some kind of methodology with HLTV where they say, you know, it's kind of about how their year was in terms of performance and achievement and everything like that. I don't think, I don't think Stown outachieved him. I don't think he outperformed him. I don't, I don't really, in, in this criteria that they've loosely defined, Stown is not above him in my eyes. Simple, like I just said, I don't think could be above him. 
And then you have like Shiro, Broki, and Sun Pius. And I think there's arguments for some of those guys. Shiro, though, also only played a single CS2 event at Sydney, and he had a beneath a 1.0 rating. So again, I probably wouldn't put him above him, even though Shiro's first two-thirds of the year was very impressive. But then Broki, Sun Pius, I think there's like... Brokey to me, wow, like I, I just couldn't really like there were so many times this year where Brokey was so unreliable for FaZe. He had probably he had to me some higher peaks than Frozen in terms of just taking games over completely. But I think that's kind of that goes hand in hand with using the op and you're just going to have these weird pop off games. But it's also why he dug FaZe into some really deep holes at points where FaZe was slumping throughout this year. So I felt like Brokey's variance is something where I probably just wouldn't have put him above him. And then Sun Pius. Pretty stable force, arguable, arguable for me, whether you put him above Frozen, but I would not have, obviously. And um, yeah, so I, I just feel like this rating in terms of where it's going to etch Frozen's name into the annals of CS history is criminal uh, because so many people take the HLTV top 20 ratings and the placement as such gospel that when they look at Frozen and what he was able to do on a pretty underpowered Mao's lineup until Shuhei got there, by the way, and Yimpak got there, he was still playing so well and above and beyond everybody else on that roster. And like, there's a citation, there's been some citations of the fact that he's saving a lot. It's like, bro, like, if your initial strategy with Dexter and Exertion goes badly and you're in a 3v5, what the hell else are you going to do? Are you going to like force the issue every single time? Probably not because you're in so many man deficit, two man deficit situations so frequently that I don't really blame him for saving because when he's playing with FaZe, I don't think he's going to be saving as much. I mean, roles change obviously too, but it's just like there's no hope in this round and that's just kind of modern Counter-Strike. So either way... I was, I was tasked with watching so many Mao's games in the last two years. I don't know why that always happened, with, whether like I was working for any TO, for whatever reason, I feel like I worked every damn Mao's game for the last year and a half, and I saw so many moments from Frozen which weren't Beatty. It's just that his his pure entry stat isn't good because he's playing next to Exertion, who has like 30-something percent entry attempts. Like You can only get so many there, and also you have an aggressive opera like Torzi too sometimes. So it's like, yeah, his entry attempts aren't good, but in the middle of the round, he would still take the onus upon himself to try to go for some kinds of plays too he would be the win condition he would try to find openers onto bomb sites in in situations that are pretty dire so i don't really buy the whole thing about like oh well the stats are inflated because he saves yeah but he's also trying to win too like i i mean i just i personally felt like frozen was such a standout player this year i had him as a top three rifler un until cs2 and he, i feel like he kind of just slightly tapered off a little bit and then a couple people passed him once again so he could have been for me top seven but top 12 is just criminal. Like, that's just not okay with me at all. Where are you at on this, Stops? Uh, I mean, I agree. I mean, he should definitely be above Stown. I mean, that's... I, I don't think anyone would argue that in the whole scene. I, I, I don't know how Frozen would be uh, underneath him, to be honest. I guess it's just based off, like, achievements, right? Yeah, I mean, as far really, as I know, yeah. one of the factors they do is what, you know, at each event, as well as MVP, they do that EVP, which is like other players who did very well, but aren't the MVP, basically. Like, it means you're sort of in that group. As far as I know, those do count quite a lot towards these sorts of things. So as far as I know, I think the problem he would have, if I had to guess Maui, is if you look at Mouse and FaZe, FaZe was just in more finals and, you know, won more tournaments. So I think the problem he has is if he has like an awesome performance, but his team comes eighth, I don't think it counts as much to HL. TV, if you know yep. what I mean. That would be my guess. Yep. It's my assumption. But here's so like one. What riflers are above him then? Like Spinks, Robs? Ninko, Spinks, Robs. Rob. 
and stone. Uh, stone. Yeah, I mean, because like when you start comparing like a rifler to an opper, it's really hard in this ranking. Yeah. It's just a completely different role, and I mean, oppers generally always rank higher on this kind of thing. I mean, when you're comparing them to like rops and spinks, it's pretty close in, in my eyes. Like, I, it's so hard to say like one's significantly better than the other. Like, they, they're all very good players. And then Nico, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably put him like at least like ninth, eighth or ninth, I'd say. I, I think him not being in the top 10 is crazy. I actually think that's quite a comfortable uh, position I find myself as the third person answering because obviously Maui has valued this player a bit higher. So something like seventh makes sense for him. I'm more in depth. I'd have him more like eighth, ninth or tenth being that way. I haven't actually done an explicit list beyond the first five. So I'm not quite sure what rank. I'll maybe do it as the thought exercise. could be interesting. But I will say what you're finding now, Maui, is why I think I will always have like a fundamental philosophical problem with this list and how it is done. By the way, I have the same problem with the same list that I know as a basketball fan, you know, that when they do that list of like the top 100 players in the NBA, mate, it's the same problem. If you're the third best player on the third best team in the NBA, you are going to make the list no matter what the fucking performance is like. Meanwhile, if you're the absolute best player on the 29th best team in the NBA, good luck making that list. Like you might, but you might also be the guy they just pretend doesn't exist and forget about because of the same scenario. They're just not seeing you in the playoffs. So they forget you exist and that you're good at the game. So my problem when you're doing a list like this is we're judging these people even stat for stat like they were playing the same match in the same role it's like upstairs about judging opens against fucking riflers like how can i say brokey who the list itself is going to tell me isn't the best phase player is better than fucking frozen who is the best player on mouse because phase is better than mouse like what are we what is even that equation like that's the opposite of an individual playlist that's a team list what you mean is the team phase is better than mouse like because here's the question if i span it the other way this doesn't always work because they play different roles but if i take frozen and i put him on phase and i take brokey and put him on mouse is Brokey going to have... Would it even be possible for Brokey to place where Brokey places now? Probably not, right? So in that scenario, all I'd say if you hit TV is you haven't done an individual list. You've just done a list based on how good your team is. Because if we're going on players, like, I agree. I think actually in most regards, Frozen is a better player than Brokey. Stown had a very bad year. People forget this. He's one of the reasons Heroic didn't win that many tournaments. He kind of didn't live up to... This was the year where he was supposed to take the step up and be like the third best player in the world. And then they would have won a bunch of tournaments like the major or something. He didn't do it. Like the difference is in those teams, you've seen uh, tons of games in Heroic where Stown didn't have to carry. You've seen tons of games in fucking phase where Brokey could play. Like, like mate, this year, Brokey was actually pretty bad at like Kelowna fucking Canavitsi and part of the major. Those are the three biggest tournaments of the year, boys. What are we talking about? Meanwhile, like I've even seen Frozen like at some of these tournaments. Sometimes his team looks like they're just falling apart and he still frags out. Like, look, he isn't like old school Nikon Mouse, but he's pretty fucking good. Like, I'm with you guys. I think he's actually closer. The real problem is this. I bet when you made that statement earlier, a fan will go, he's nowhere near Sphinx. It's like, mate, can he play next to Zemo and be on Vitality? And then we'll actually see if he's at Sphinx's level. Like, because again, same scenario. Like, 
Mate, Spinks on Ents, the Ents lineup was better than the Mouse one is now. Like, I actually think Frozen is underrated in that sense. Like, if we go too far the other way and you guys want to tell me he's better than fucking Robson, then yeah, I'll have an argument. But I actually agree. I think on this one, he has been hard done by. And unfortunately, I don't think it's anything to do with him. I think it's just the flaw of how they judge the system, whatever criteria they're using. Like I say, I would essentially just spin it this way to HLTV. What more is he meant to do, mate? What more is he meant to do with his team in the tournaments he's in to ever get placed higher? Like, as far as I can tell, he did a lot. Like, he actually, if people don't know, he was clearly the best player for that team. He fragged out all the yeah. time. He used to even play well, like I say, in the losses against the big teams. And people can say, oh, he's baiting, he's a bit selfish. I'll just say the same thing as when Rob's on the team. Like, what else are you going to do? What are you, that's like when they tell about a player who's a star of the NBA, like pass marks. Like, if these bad players just misses the shot, you idiot, Amazon will take it. Like, if you're a player like he is on a team like that, you just get your, you take care of yours and you let the fucking coach in the game leave worry about the rest of the team. It's not Frozen's job to make the rest of Mouse better. His job is just be a star rifler and be the best he can be. And as I'll say again, didn't he do that? I think he did an awesome job this 2023. He did about everything I could ask from him. In fact, he probably actually performed 10% better than I would expect. Like, I thought he was a stud. Yeah, fair player. By the way, cool news is, though, here's the good news, Maui. At least now he's in phase. The joke is he could play identically this, this year, 2024, and he will get the fucking top 10 spot warning. So yeah. if anything, hopefully it'll fix itself on this one, right? <laughs> yeah, glad to see that he's on the roster that he deserves to be on for sure. But, like, I mean, he was care – I mean, the thing is, I feel like that little snub that I thought for, for ESL Pro League where Torzy won MVP over – Frozen too, probably likely. Which, let's be real, that was like a 1A, 1B choice on that one. Like, I people know, acted like, know. you know, that's the problem with those MVPs as well. When you see the MVP in history, like, this guy won it, you think that, like, he was far and away the best. Like, in that one, like, you could have given either of them in that one, man. They were both awesome. Even the Yimfat guy was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think to me, Yimfat was definitely like two, but I would have had Fro Frozen, Frozen and Torsi were so close in that. And if that was, if that were the determining factor between. Stown and Frozen, or maybe maybe it'll actually right. be Brokey at number 11. I don't know. But like, if that's a determining factor, it's just going to be like, oh, that was just so... That was just... Are we, we're splitting hairs there, and then we're ranking someone like for the whole year based off of one thing where it was yes. just kind of like an arbitrary decision. Right, okay. So my bad point is going to sound counterintuitive, but just to hear me out on this one. So it's going to sound bad because I said it's just two words, Staps. My, my bad point is donk hype. Now, you might think, what the fuck? Because if you actually do watch this player, I get why people are hyping him. The eye test looks really exciting. Bro, they've gone so fucking out of pocket in Counter-Strike with how we're judging and putting scrutiny on young players now, right? I thought it was bad that we treated Monacy, who went from a fucking academy team to G2 at Katowice in his first massive LAN event, and he was in the finals. And we were judging this guy like, Willie Shinkos? It's, like, it's his first fucking real tournament. The Donk guy isn't even at that level yet. And people for real, this is not a joke, are having a convo now of like, when will he like overtake Zewu and be like, like the fucking goat of CS2. It's like, <laughs> he hasn't even gone to a fucking real tier one land with a prop, proper top team. Like, what are we... This is, What I'm pointing out here is it's nothing to do with the player. That's why I gave the example of Monacy. Maybe this player could do it. He could make it through that tiny gap and be the the one who does become like a new simple Aussie But we can't scrutinize you like that from day one. Day one, like, man, I think it's bad what they do in the NBA and the NFL, but at least they give you the $100 million contract and scrutinize you like this. This guy's <laughs> just chilling on some fucking spirit contract, and we're actually going to judge him. Like, he has to sink or swim like Zewu, or or he's not going to have made it. Like, 
We've got to fucking bring, like I say, it's the hype. Just turn that dial right back down. Turn the dial down to like a three. And then when he goes to land, if he frags out, like, by the way, your kindar did and Monacy, then we turn it up to like a six. And then when he starts to look like the best player on spirit and again, some upsets, put it up to an eight. Don't start at fucking 11. Like, this is going to, because the problem here is maybe Donk can make it, mate, like maybe Monacy did. But if we keep doing this approach of massive scrutiny on people on day one of them being like any potential, we're going to actually ruin some players' careers. I guarantee like some people are going to get such hype at the beginning be considered a bust and then the joke is three years later they might have finally made it but they'll be forgotten by then what do you think on this topic you have any thoughts Stabs? I'd say yeah it's definitely a risk I, I think I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head but there's definitely like players I've played with at least that maybe they weren't at his level but they get pretty affected obviously by comments people read and stuff especially when they don't have experience you know getting shit oh, on sure. yet so yeah, it's definitely a risk where, like, maybe coming into this year, he starts playing bad for a bit. A couple months, he's not playing as well as he was. And the reality is, is, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the truth is, is my opinion on Donk is, like, two years from now, maybe even earlier than that, like, he's just going to be, he's going to be, like, a frozen level, you know, up there. He'll be top 10 in, like, I, I, I guarantee it. Probably, like, two years, though. I, I, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Spirit's just like insane now, Shiro. And Could be, yeah, they sure. Just start, they just start winning events and then he's carrying. Like, there is that chance he just instantly goes to it, but I'd say there's a. I'd say he's guaranteed to be a top 10 player eventually. Unless he has some sort of like mental collapse and like can't handle the pressure or something. I guess I have a few angles for this, and that's the beauty of podcasts that you can kind of have some nuance added to these discussions that I don't really actually think that there's it's much of a problem that you put pressure on players with with media scrutiny or fan scrutiny because it's up to the player for to just rise above that. Like I have no I really have so little sympathy for players that get affected by things we say on the desk or things we say in a podcast because it's like one, you don't have to listen to anything we say. Two, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't even care because unless you start giving value to everything we say, like you should trust your own judgment in terms of your own ability enough that you don't have to have media reinforcement or fans that are glazing you all the time. If you start to just think like, oh, the fans love me, like, like I'm going to derive all of my happiness from this. Well, you're already going to be living a very hollow existence and you're probably actually just just destined to fail because people will turn on you eventually. Oh, and yeah. if, so so I'm not really I'm not I don't buy the whole thing of like we're we're hyping him up too much and that is going to set him up for failure. I guess I guess in terms of narratives that is true. Yeah, yeah. If he does do badly, then people are going to turn on him and if he starts to feel that that's that's also by his own doing because then he he took and put too much stock into what people were saying about him before he was on the big stage. I do think though that there is probably in some ways a little bit like the bet boom event was very very good for donk like the the way that he was able to win that grand finals with a reverse sweep able to bring it back from down 2-0 in maps to beat vp of all teams who feels like one of those teams that you probably wouldn't be able to just crawl back into against that is to me very very impressive but yeah we haven't seen him play at a lan um i've talked about it before the fact that of all the roles in this game it feels like 
riflers, for example, just have such short-lived peaks too. And so yeah. that's where it's very difficult for, he's at least young. So I feel like he's going to be able to focus and keep grinding out the hours over and over again for a, an extended period of time. But I feel like we've seen it so many times when a rifler just puts in 80% of the effort because they get a little bit too comfortable. They fall out of the top 20 from number one in the world. Like it, it happens so quickly that it's, like it's it's destined to happen again. I I will haven't actually upped the ante though. I feel like I don't get why Dong wouldn't be a top fifteen player this upcoming year. I just feel like the only reason he wasn't a top twenty player this year is because Spirit didn't get it to enough big events. And sure, that means he is going to be playing against some slightly weaker opposition. But I I don't I don't think it's going to be two years. I think I think he's top twenty this year, and I'd probably say he's going to be like the eleventh, tenth to fifteenth best player like for twenty twenty four. The problem with that is, though, like, even like I actually agree with Daps's premise. If you just look historically, if you look with the eye test, it suggests if he gets it together and nothing drastic happens, he will be a very good player. The reason why Maui, I can't promise he'll be a top X player in this year, it's because he is fucking 16 years old with no experience. And sorry, I give the Monacy example. It's like, if that player, by the way, if we go back in the literal example I give of Monacy in G2, if he'd have just completely flunked that kind of eats in and had shit stats, I would actually have just said, like, that can't be the black mark against him. It's his first massive land. Like, everyone gets... It's like the fucking Matrix. No one makes the first jump. Like, if you do, you're some fucking alien, aren't you? So, I'd, he doesn't... It's just more that, like, I just think he has a lot of factors against him. But, like I say... It's more if you are the one. If you if he is some exceptional talent like a Monsieur, you might then maybe he can make it through that. Maybe he can be mega when he's sixteen. Some people can do it. It's just obviously I wouldn't blame anyone if they weren't. I wouldn't blame him if it took two years, like we're talking about, and he had to wait till he's eighteen. He's got a bit of experience on his belt. I bet, by the way, even the rifle angle is a good point. Notice all the other players. Everyone said we're a surefire to make the top. We're all just the fucking opers. He's a rifler, guys. Like as a rifler, it's, it's not, there's no sure thing with riflers. Like you've got to have the team set around you. You've got to have your role. You've got to have your spots. Like it's not as simple as like when you just see someone on a low level op and you're like, mm, he's pretty quick with his flicks. Like it's more than that we're talking about here, guys. But I agree. I do think mechanically he's fucking bonkers. Like it's like, and and I know there's plenty of players that people do that. Like oh, HLTV next one. Like no, no, this is like he's a level above those players. Those are just people in tier two point seven five doing crazy stats. His actual eye test checks out, guys. Even included like that bet boom tournament. Like you can watch him against the real teams. It checks out. It looks really good. Right, go on, then. We're moving on to the last section. Do you have something else to say, Daps? No, no, no. That's fine. Right, go on, then. What is your ugly point? Uh, ugly point was about lack of tournament support from the main tournament organizers for uh, underdeveloped regions. And we can obviously talk about NA mainly. Yeah. I just like to include the other regions because other regions, other regions get mad when I say only sure. NA. But obviously every region is affected by this. Yeah. That's not Europe. Absolutely. CIS. So, I mean, my opinion is just, I don't know, like, all the changes they made i know they made like prize money changes and i'm in ecl now i don't necessarily know all the changes they made but um it just seems that esl even with being purchased and having more of a cash influx they're still going to like a more cost saving route just because i i know it definitely costs more money to operate you know if they wanted to do a pro league group again in north oh, america right, like they used right. to like when there used to be ECS yeah, yeah. and uh, EPL there, that was really good for the region. And I think just having the teams that are best in our region, staying in our region and having incentive to be here helps the region grow. And that was the reason why NA was super strong from like 20, end of 2017 to like 2020 pretty much. 
is like we had tons of organizations there was incentives for orgs to actually be here and the tournaments gave those incentives by actually having events ran here and having way more land opportunities and yeah sure the structure wasn't the best and like orgs were losing money still back then but there has to be a way where it can make sense to like help other regions grow and i don't know what the exact answer is but you know even just like some things i've learned from being in the industry for the last like 10 years it's na is a super important region and this isn't to like shit on other regions by the way but... theoretically it is i can tell you daps as a content creator it is the number one region because it is literally the region where all sponsor clicks are worth way more than anywhere else like the basically uk usa uk and then a bit of australia it's basically places that speak english are the ones that have the insane access for like ad revenue and i can tell you for sponsors it's way higher in america it's actually the most important region to activate in theory yeah like i i, I talked to somebody i i forget the exact number but it was like Sponsors, as you just said, pay way more in North America. That's just how it always is. Sometimes been. they even just say they only care about North America sometimes, certain ones I've heard. Yeah, yeah, 100%, because it's just the biggest market that yep. speaks one language. And Europe's, like, very divided in that. And also, I think someone said, I don't know if it was an ESL person, but they said, like, five, like, European fans is, like, one NA fan in terms of, like, the money they bring towards, right. like, their product. And in my opinion, it seems pretty uh, negligent to like not try to develop NA and at least bring it back to some status where like, you know, it doesn't have to be just NA, but like you try and make it where, you know, teams from other regions come back. Like even in like 2015 or 2016, there was Winter Fox, which was like an Australian team. And you had you know, mixed teams, Brazilian teams. You just like have the Luminosity had, was, squad when they had an American yeah, team. You had yeah, loads of teams, yeah. Envy yeah, so was loads of odds. You had Rogue with Cadian. Yep. You had, like, you had, like, all these teams. It was, like, NA was just sort of, like, the world region. Yes. And Europe was Europe. But it's just, like, you can't... I don't know what the repercussions down the road if everything just goes full European is, but it's... I, I personally don't think it's good. Um... Obviously, Europe is just the best. It's always been the best. It's always had the best structure. It's super easy to just, like, get players from Tier 2 European teams. Yep. They're always scrimming versus Tier 1 teams. It's just, it's a, like, a, one of the Liquid Dota players said this to me. He's like, if you're b not born in Europe, you just got a bad spawn in life. For, like, <laughs> That's a great line. That's a great line. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just, like, so much harder. And a lot of Europeans, like, uh, there's actually a lot of Europeans that sympathize with it. It doesn't necessarily like um, go with like their org's ambitions for what they want to help NA necessarily, but you know Europeans all the time. It's like you'll talk to them. It's like, yeah, how they're like, how does it feel like traveling all the time to like Europe and like not being home and like you know we don't have like a one-hour flight to a land. We have to travel across the ocean. And the Australia, I know Sponge is always adamant about how much he traveled when he would go to events back in the day. It's just. It's so much more straining, and mm -hmm. you just have way less opportunity on top of that. And then you make that one event that you qualified for in your shitty region, and you're playing, like, phase first round. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, great. So now you just, like, Classic. traveled across the world qualifying from your shitty region with no practice to play phase, and now you're just, like, expected to, like, perform versus them. It's just not realistic at all. And... I think there's a lot of regions and a lot of players. Like I think Mongols has shown like the best face, 
but I assume Mongols can practice European teams or like they, CIS they play, teams from so their they region. Play, they, they do play Maybe. 170 ping basic games all the time uh, in okay. EU. And I, I think they probably, that probably in turn means that they have scrim people with high ping too. Yeah, like they could probably scrim some CIS teams, but the point yeah. is just like, it's not ideal and it's, I think it's bad for the ecosystem. Well, the repercussions that you were wondering about when North America doesn't have as much money in this space is that, well, we're taking money from another place. We're, we're taking it from the Middle East now. So that's that's exactly what's happening. We're uh, we're seeing that there's so much more money in terms of TOs, in terms of uh, the fact that ESL is entirely just owned by it now. I mean, face it itself, too. If If North America had a better region right now and it was more competitive and there were more eyeballs on it and we had more NA investors... I don't think the shift would have happened. I don't think, I don't think like, I think, I think it's possible. It's possible that there would have been like some tournaments over there, but like, you know, it's still possible like a gamers eight would have happened or anything like that. And I'm not even going to comment on my moral stance on it, but it's just that people are kind of like seeing this happen. And I think there is some feeling of, of dread for a lot of the, the community because of where the money's coming from now. It could have stayed in North America <laughs> if we just had better initiatives there and we didn't cut costs in these short-sighted moves that have now had like basically just reverberating effects through the scene because we where was falcon we're like why would why would a falcon team even exist if there were four more like tier one north american orcs it probably wouldn't like they're just that's just I, I feel like people would have been a lot more hesitant to ever join that kind of org um i bet i bet some of those offers were probably like floated in the past from middle eastern money but people were kind of like why would we even do that but now it is the biggest player in the space financially so that's where everybody's headed I think I've got some different angles on this one because, first of all, I would say that, like, I definitely genuinely agree. Like, it is terrible, like, the situation NA is in because I, one thing I think is a real hard thing for people in Counter Strike to understand is because I'm not only in Counter Strike. I, do, I work in League of Legends. I've even done some stuff in Valorant. I followed Dota basically the entire time Dota 2's been out because I have, like, a bigger picture on what the rest of the esports ecosystem is like. I actually think the part that people miss is there's two angles to this. One of the things for real, and people are going to think I'm just doing this for my own axe to grind, I'm being Serious. One of the real reasons why NA died out is literally the fact that PEA and Flashpoint, which were basically the same project just years apart, didn't succeed. Because the reason why that was an idea, think about it, that was NA owners themselves from the good NA orgs saying at the moment, this model isn't attractive. So we need a model that's like a franchise league system that we're all going to be a part of, which is what they do in every other game. And if they didn't get it, which they didn't, it didn't work, then they that's the model they want. You'll notice Richard Lewis always bangs on about this because he's right. If you ever talk to NA owners, they want it, the esports to look like NA sports, like American football, the NBA, basketball, Ball, where you've just got a franchise league, you just buy into the franchise league, then you worry about running your team. You don't the fra the financial aspect, you're supposed to just go with the big you sort of swim with the big sharks, then you all make money together, as it were. So their problem is they don't like the open circuit system, and this is what people forget. This isn't the world we lived in when you were talking about the old days, Daps. Like when you were talking about the days when there was luminosity and fucking NRG had that weird mixed roster and they had renegades there, and all those old teams, there wasn't Valorant back then. Like, in Valorant, remember, guys, it's like, it's got the appearance of a partnership league, but you don't buy in. They pay you to be in that game. Well, I can tell you right now, go look right now at the Americas League for VCT in Valorant. There's all the orgs that you want in fucking North American Counter-Strike, boys. They're all there. 
All the guys who used to be in, all the newer orgs that came along with the VC, they're all in Valorant, unfortunately, in FPS games. So you need to do something. It can't just be, is this fair versus Europe? Since this is actually, like I say, a major advertising region that it would only help Counter-Strike as an ecosystem to get in the scene, you have to make it attractive to these owners. If it's not attractive, they're going to take... Valorant or League of Legends or whatever they choose as a different game, a different route to go with, or games like Rocket League where apparently they give you like more cut from the in-game items or some shit like that. Like there's financial reasons as to why this has happened. And then the last thing I'll say is this. I actually think it's that actually people have gotten pretty lucky that people like Daps have started an RG again, that people like Zeus managed to remake an America's Team Liquid. Because, dude, I think there's a world people haven't really thought of. And let me just put a, a scenario in your mind for a second. Imagine a world where there isn't a Team Liquid good enough for Twist to come back to. So he stays on phase. And then you know what? Everyone in Europe respects Naf. He's mega. And he's got a German girlfriend as well. Maybe he goes and joins phase. And then you know what? Elige joined Complexity, but he was going to be on that, like, Russian fucking Egypt. There's a world where all the greatest NA players aren't even on NA teams anymore because that's the part you haven't thought about, guys, is when you have monster names that sort of carry your region, one thing you can't do is let them go. If they leave, here's the difference. If NAF stays in Team Liquid, you can now make a Team Liquid team that can be really good. If NAF leaves and you have to start from zero, you either can't be an NA team or you have to just be, like, a totally different squad. Like, I think those players staying there they're carrying that fucking region. Like, if Elise leaves Call tomorrow, is Call even relevant? Like, are they going to win it? No. If Naf leaves Liquid, like I said, who would go to Liquid? Like, they'd be, they have some money, but they wouldn't be like the number one destination. So I think it could get even darker in the future. That's why I hope these lineups work out. Like, I hope the fucking Team Liquid squad is really good. I hope Daps' squad can actually get to lands and be relevant and Call can get it together, maybe add one more piece. So I don't know. Like, I feel like it is pretty bad now, but I also feel like the reason why it's a good one to put in ugly is, dude, it could get worse. I could see it getting a bit darker in the future like I'm not actually sure how this turns around because like I say I, I think I've identified the problems I don't know what the solutions are though it's tough to know I mean spoiler I thought Flashpoint was the solution didn't work did it so what do you want me to do can't I've, run that one back <laughs> I mean I made it or I, I did an interview where I said something like that pissed people off where I said it's not Liquid's responsibility to save NA yeah true and it's just true. It's, yeah. it's not uh, like I was just defending the org organization yes. itself. It's like, it's honestly on the tournament organizers, which was the whole point of my comment. And I think the hate or backlash should be more put towards ESL and like a blast even to some extent. It's just like these guys have a lot of power and money and sure it, it, it'll cost more, but they're just complete they bled like the whole world dry of like every region and now it's just na is like a little bit back with some orgs but overall it's like i think it's it's really bad and i think that uh, the tournament organizers can do a lot more and hopefully if valve's new ruling in 2025 whatever it means it's pretty ambiguous but hopefully it's for the best and and helps other regions now come on the maui what is your ugly point yeah, mine is, uh, geez, I, I realized after actually that I made two points about HLT in the same, in the same episode. It's but it kind good. of has been like the real news cycle for the last few True. weeks. You know? I mean, like, there's been, no, there's been one on, tournament. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on Fasher and Kakafu leaving OG. Like, I just, yeah, you know, this is more, this is more important to me. And that's why I'm going to say something about it. It's that the 
AHL TV is doing these awards every year, and I actually think that there's a lot of merit to them. Um, they're doing those ones like Anchor of the Year, Sniper of the Year. I'm actually on the panel of people that vote on the these these kind of like, okay. I'd say like individual player accolade awards, the superlatives, and but. What I don't like is that they have these HLTV community awards, and that's kind of my my. Uh, Which, as far as I know, I just fan voted those ones, right? Yeah, that's that's the whole point. Yeah, there's right. streamer of the year, creator of the year, talent of the year, event of the year, and they're simply popularity contests voted only by HLTV users. And I just feel like this is so meaningless. Like, like I just, I, I'm, I was nominated in the the talent of the year category, but as soon as I found out, oh, it's 100% fan vote. I just simply couldn't, I barely could write the tweet to like say anything. Cause like to say, Hey, I'm nominated. Let's, let's vote for me. Cause it's like popularity contests just by, by and large have never really excited me, nor have they been meaningful because it's just, it's usually put just like whoever has the biggest follower base. I'm really surprised by the fact that the three people that are talent of the year nominated or, or had made it to the finalists are scrawny banks and sponge because for my money, they don't necessarily... I think Banks and Sponge have a pretty solid social media following, but Scrawny making it in top three, actually, to me, itself, it feels like he should just... Like, that seems like a... Like, he, he feels... Like, that feels like a win to me already because I don't feel like his promotion of his own standing in that like like james banks is a great self-promoter like he's, oh, he's good sure. at his job too but he's a great self-promoter and that's like i for, and he has a huge following which i feel like plays in part to why he would be in there and i i just feel like it's the reason i put this in the ugly category i'm glad that hltv are giving these other community members a shout as opposed to simply just players and the coach for that for that individual award but for it to be purely bought out i mean to be purely a popularity contest to me just it's just not really exciting and the reason i like draw so much ire with this is because unfortunately for our jobs which are so subjective in nature these awards kind of are some of the only ways to be an yes. objective metric of success and i i don't look within myself to see a popularity contest and and say like wow that's me winning or losing at my job or being good or bad at it but when i know that there's a panel of people that i respect and trust then i start to actually give that a little bit of credence and i do start to judge my own performance against that. But when it's just a popularity contest, I just can't get out of bed for that kind of stuff. So that's why I just find it to be a little bit ugly. I'm glad that HLTV are doing an award for these people. I just think a pure popularity contest, like at least do what the esports award does where it's some semblance of like 70% of it is panel driven, 30% of it is vote driven or whatever. I don't know what the split is. It's something like that. I think like it's that. 75, 25, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So whatever, whatever it is like that, like that's that at least to me is like okay i get it you want to you want to drive media or uh, you want to drive fan engagement yes. you want to like get people on the website you want to get people's eyeballs towards this but when it's just pure 100 fan driven i just don't give a shit do you care dops <laughs> no not really man I, I, I don't i don't like watch award shows i mean i'll watch like ricky gervais like roasting oh the roast you know, i sure. like <laughs> But, like, other than that, I mean, sure. I've never really cared about award shows in, like, any industry. I mean, sometimes like, I care about some of, like, the sport-related ones. But other than that, I mean, it's cool. But, like, it's not something I'm really into. 
Put it this way, the reason why, like Maui, I do think there is like a necessity for a, some type of an award like this. It's the same reason why I actually, even if I dislike how they do it, I do like the idea of the HLTV Top 20 for players because in the same way, as I said before, it's a team game. So I want to give people their flowers individually. That's why actually, like on my point about the Frozen one, essentially I think the award, their list works the opposite way it should. Like to me, the whole point of that list should be to give Frozen his flowers because he plays on shitty fucking mouse and to go to Brokey. You already got your fucking trophy fees and a million dollars you can't you don't get to be better than frozen too just because you're on a better team like they're, they're doing the opposite though so similarly i agree like in theory if you're a commentator or a horse or something there isn't really any sort of a med we don't have stats so we have no way historically to like show your kids you was the sick or something but if you could show them a trophy like i was the best commentator of the year look even if you go yeah but who judged that it still means something some group of people really did pick you as the best the problem becomes if the fans do it. And here's where I'm going to make it slightly different from Maui's point. It's not that fans can't have an opinion or be right. It's just that, like Maui says, they're not even doing what a panel would do. A panel, in theory, would actually think who even deserves to be nominated, what are the criteria, and then who wins as a result. That's not what the fan's thinking. The fan is just thinking, do I like this person more? So unfortunately, they're not really judging, and, and also, spoiler, the random fan, like... I can say this. I used to be the same. When I worked in esports, but I'd never been a commentator, I had all sorts of stupid ideas about what a commentator should do, was what he did right. I didn't know anything about technical ability. I used to think people like Red Eye or D-Man were just idiots because they didn't have like game knowledge I had. And then later I found out like they're fucking incredible on the mic and they have all presence and things I didn't even know were skills you needed. To. So my problem essentially is I don't think a fan's even capable of judging. I think all the fans voting for is one, this is my favorite person. And two, I like them. And I don't even mean they like them at their their job you just like them like you love the voice as a commentator you love the jokes they make you love the feel that you get when you watch them so i don't think that's valueless like maui says it can have a role but the idea that's just purely what wins you the award is mental because the biggest problem you're gonna have here is this like i know cynically why they do it maui alluded to part of it the reason why they do awards that are fan voted is because obviously it incredibly incentivizes every person maui just said who has social media following who is nominated to essentially like it's almost like affiliate marketing system. They're convincing you to go and do their marketing job to your fans for them. And they and what they want you to do, I can tell you, is every time this stuff's mentioned, so when the initial list's mentioned, you tell all your fans to vote for you, then they go down to the narrow, remember to vote for me. They just want you to essentially work like a free marketer for them to get the, you to win the award. And also, by the way, if fans do it, and logically it's mainly the fans who vote the winner, well, then you can't really have bad press about the winner, can you? Because logically the dickhead fans were the ones who picked the guy to win so no matter what the fan is going to feel good about the winner and then the last thing I'll say is this here's the example I'd give that I hope highlights why this doesn't really make sense as an approach like look stream of the year who gives a shit that really is just who do you like to watch stream but the idea for talent of the year you let the fans vote well then by that logic HLTV just let the fans vote the top 20 as well and if everyone's French they'll just have to vote Zewu number one even when he's shit because that's what they would do think about if we allowed the fans to vote the HLTV top 20 would we get anything approaching a real top 20 of players? No. The joke is we'd get fucking Pasha and scream top 10 today if you let them be on the list. Like, that's how stupid the list would be. So I'll just, the reason I give that example is because that's what's going to happen to the talent. Like, it's just going to be like Maui says, the most popular, biggest talent with the biggest social media following who does the most posts will get this award. Like, if you're scrawny, like you say, you won just by being nominated. You have no chance to win this award, mate. Like, just forget about it already. Like, you can't 
can't beat back to social media. You can't do it, Scrawny. Come on. You can't Big do it. like a VK. That's popping off. He's like a doyen. That's popping Yeah, he also has like a, a CIS region. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's doing I something mean, in other countries. Exactly. I, I, I have one point. Come on. I, I remember I did the analyst desk at the major for Face It a long time ago. And like, I mean, I have no experience doing it. It was a lot harder than I thought it was. Oh, it's the Face It and, London uh, major, right? You're talking about. Yeah. 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 So I did the analyst work there and I, I kind of agree that like, I don't think it should be a fan vote just because there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff where like you want people on the ground that actually see how hard the talent works. Like yes. I was super impressed by um, Freya and Sponge, especially like when I did the analyst work that just like how hard, how much effort they put in like between the matches. Like there's some talent that don't really watch the matches too yep. much. Like they're a lot better just kind of like free flowing it yep. and just like whatever. But like Freya and Sponge, especially, I was like, wow, that's like a lot of work and a lot of effort and like preparation. And um, I think it definitely shouldn't be a fan vote just because you need someone who's on the ground that like knows these people and can like actually judge them for like the work they put in. So I agree with that. Right, let's do it then. The last point of the show is my ugly point. And remember, you always have to remember the last category is not bag, it is ugly. So I, I've purposely picked this one. It's going to sound mad though. I can tell I'm already going to trigger so many people when I say this one. My actual ugly point is the news that complexity has extended a bunch of the contracts in the team. You're all good. What? Here's why it's ugly, but not bad. It's not bad because like the team has performed. Like the team, I have to say, I don't normally believe in this concept's a thing. But if you're a, a little team like the complexity lineup, most of the players do not get paid massive salaries. No one had any expectations in CS2. And by the way, they could straight up have just won that IM Sydney event, and they've been in the mix at a bunch of the events. Like they have performed way above the level I thought. So in a sense, I do think some of these players have sort of earned, you know, a chance to keep playing for complexity. My problem is just this. This is why I put it as ugly. I do think if you saw the way so far Elise has played in CS2 and you consider you've still got plenty of spots in this team. Like you could just remember if you switch Halls up for a different AWPA, that could even be an import player. It's just another fucking import, import for import. And you can put another import player. I just think this is the ugly part. I think with how good Elise looks so far in CS2, sign a couple of these players. But let's can't we just get like one really good player and put him in this squad? Like I think this team is one piece matchy being really good. Like not just like a good team and Elise could put they they're not that far from actually being like a, a real elite team. And so and the bummer for me is just the idea they're doubling down this lineup. I, I just want one more star. Give me one more star. And I think you could do something with this team. I, I get, think. Yeah, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. Go okay. for it. Um. Like, my personal opinion is I think it's hard for a team in this position to make a change like that with the success they've had recently because it's the first time they've ever had this level of success. And to go into, like, a boardroom and be like, hey, we're going to, like, change the dynamic of the team now. And they've also been together a long time, and I know all of them pretty well. And, you know, they're pretty close as right. well, right? So it's like the second you start messing with that, like, team environment that's built over time and it's not something you can just like replicate and like you could bring in a new player and they could on paper be a lot better than the player you replace but they could also just like ruin the team atmosphere wise and then now everyone's production's lower because now that whole like everything's changed um obviously like hopefully the scouting isn't that bad where that would happen but it's a possibility so it's just they're they're kind of in a position where they probably just don't want to spend big money on like a huge big name player and risk losing what they have at the moment. 
Where are you at, Maui? Yeah, I, I, I think the if I if I do just think about it on paper, I would say that the obvious place to change is probably Halzerk. He wasn't. I mean, he wasn't necessarily bad, but it's just that there's so many people. That you just think if you put a really good opera in though, what it do to this team? You know, it's it's that. But also the fact that when you have a liege, grim, and floppy, you have an America's RMR spot. So that's why, to me, they're a bit more irreplaceable. Uh, and JT has proven himself to me to be a very solid in-game no, he's under, so. under state of execution for sure, yeah. And he's, he also just seemingly got a boost as an individual once yep. he switched to CS2. Like, his fragging output is just... It's legitimately kind of like an X factor for them in game. So like those four to me feel like they're really good. I, I I'm kind of in between you guys, I guess. Like I, I feel like with, with DAPS, like, you know, you're, you're saying, you know, you could ruin the chemistry and everything like that. I feel like when I do, when I, the thing is, when I actually think about this individual case, Halzerk has been a good guy for motivation in some respects. Like you could see, like th this is one of the few teams where you watch Halzerk and it's just like, you could see he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Like he is so animated all the time. If he's losing, he's pounding the table and it seemingly like noticeably frustrates Grimm next to him. But ever since Elise joined, I feel like the dynamic and the mentality of the team has gotten a lot more professional, a lot more stabilized. But before it was like, man, Halzerk, game to game. You don't know if this guy is going to be popping off and motivating everybody or he was going to actually make Grim fearful that the table next to him is going to fall apart because he's just slamming it so many times. So I feel like, you know, you're right. You're right. Like, you know, you can change the team dynamic and it can ruin everything. But like of anybody that was probably kind of the like standout person for like well emotionally if you could change somebody who would it be it probably would still be Halzerk and he's kind of the player you would replace too but I also think that he's been serving his like he's been doing his job on this team just enough but we just see I mean so he was playing he was playing really well for a while and I yeah. mean I also made that point uh with the context of like I don't think they can get the opera that you would want to like fill this like situation no he's on your team he's on your team like, like okay. they would want OC, obviously. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, besides OC, there's not an opera where I see them being able to either afford them or that opera would even. Although, you, look, American you'd have to be you're probably like, gambling on like a tier 1.5 European player that you're gonna have to scout. Yeah, you would, you would have yeah, to, yeah, and then true. it's like, is that person even better than Halzerk at that point? And he probably has less experience, and it's just like, in in my opinion, looking from the outside in, it's just not worth them changing anyone at the moment Un until they start like dropping a bit more if they do